Go to 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel chapter 25. As we get ready for prayer here tonight. And David is still fleeing from Saul at this point. He's, he's made a lot of good decisions in his life to this point. And we remember a, a few weeks ago there where we uh, talked about David's good decision to not touch the Lord's anointed. He had every opportunity to kill Saul, who was his enemy, to take things into his own hands. And uh, we learned that that's not what we as Christians should do that we shouldn't be taking things into our own hands. We should allow the Lord. Vengeance is the Lord's. It's not ours. And so he, he told Saul that, and Saul seemingly repented, but David is still fleeing. He's not certain that things are, are going well there. Here in chapter 25, the very next chapter, we get a very different picture of David, a very different picture, one where he's in great anger against a man and his house, where he's about to go and slay this man and, uh, and his house, and he's being tempted to ruin the legacy, that, the, the godly legacy that has been started by, by David. Before we get in uh, too much further into it, let's pray tonight and ask the Lord to help us as we, as we learn about preserving a godly legacy. Father, I do pray for each one here tonight. Uh, Lord, those that have children already, uh, Lord, that are, that are already forming that godly legacy. Uh, Lord, those that uh, don't have a godly legacy to follow in not having saved parents. Lord, but do have a spiritual heritage to start right here, even in this own church. Lord, I pray for, uh, Lord, those that are older that have a spiritual heritage in, in every single person that they touch. Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts all tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. The beginning of this chapter gives us a lot of background. It gives us a background not only to where David is, but it gives us a background as to the spiritual climate of, of this day right here. Verse 1 says, And Samuel died. That's pretty much all you need to know right there. And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah, and David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. See, Samuel's death in that time, I mean, that was a spiritual giant that had just died, that had just passed away. Uh, at this point, Saul didn't want anything to do with Samuel. He didn't want anything to, to do with God's voice anymore. And that's a sad state right there when your king doesn't want to hear the voice of the Lord. And so Samuel moved to Ramah. Away from, away from Saul, and he hasn't talked to him since then. But God, the king has rejected God's voice and doesn't want anything to do with it. However, Samuel has already done what God showed him to do. He anointed David. His work there is done. And now Samuel, a man that loved God and served God, is dead. A spiritual giant has died. The, the, the current situation right now is David's now in Maon. He's in that southern part. He's, he, he's south of Jerusalem in the wilderness. And right now he's, he's, he has his men there with him, 600 now, not just 400, 600. And they're all guarding this man's, this wealthy man's property and his sheep and, and all of his stuff. 
in the wilderness there, there would be thieves that would try to break in and steal your sheep or steal your wealth. And so he's, he's guarding this man's uh, wealth named Nabal. And we find out a little bit about Nabal uh, with the description in verse 2 and 3. Look at there with me. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of beautiful countenance, but the man was curlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. I want you to notice that description that God gives us of these two different people. Number one, Abigail, uh, she, was a, she was a lady of good understanding. She had a good head on her shoulders. She, she understood uh, the, 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 the Lord. Uh, she was beautiful. Where on, else on the other hand, you have Nabal, who is characterized as a very rich man. He has lots of, he has lots of wealth, but he's a very harsh man. He's a very evil man, the Bible tells us. But look at the end of verse 3. I think it's interesting. I think the Bible really wants us to get something here. It says, and he was of the house of Caleb. Now, why would the Bible choose, why would God, under inspiration, choose to include a detail like that? It's because Caleb was a man that served God. Caleb was a man that feared God. He said, I'm going to take that mountain. I'm going to do, I'm going to do what God tells me to do, even if nobody else is following me. It shows us that Nabal had a rich spiritual heritage. That's what God wants us to get. This is where Nabal's coming from. But here's the reality. It doesn't matter your spiritual heritage if you're not following the God that your fathers followed. It doesn't matter if, 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 if you have a rich heritage. Nabal was a wicked man. He was a man that didn't serve God. He was not a wise man. He didn't live up to his heritage. And Proverbs 22.1 tells us, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. See, Nabal had great riches. I'm not saying that you can't have both at the same time, great riches and a good name, but he chose great riches and, and being harsh and evil over having a good name. You know, Some of you here tonight have a godly heritage. My encouragement to you is live up to it. Live up to the godly heritage that God's given to you. Some of you don't have that. A lot of you, don't have that. And so my encouragement to you from God's word is start that today. It doesn't matter if you have kids or not. You can start a godly heritage with the decisions that you make today. That's what, that God, that's what God wants you to get. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. You can start making decisions and saying, God, I trust you. I'm, I want to start to have a godly uh, a, a, a godly legacy for my family to come. And those of you who are older and your children are gone out of the house and you, you feel like there's no way I can really continue a godly legacy, I don't have contact with my kids all the time. Listen, you have a godly legacy to leave right here in Toronto Baptist Church every single time you walk through these doors. You have a godly legacy to leave for anyone you touch with your life. 
God still has that for you, and you can leave that like Caleb did. As we look through the rest of the chapter here tonight, we're going to see that David's legacy is almost tarnished. It's almost ruined, and, uh, except that he listened to wise counsel. And that's really what I want us to get here tonight from this short narrative is that as believers, we need to listen to the Word of God, we need to listen to the Spirit of God, and we need to listen to wise counsel if we're going to raise and preserve a godly legacy in our life. So as we, as we look at the next few verses here, David sends out his men to Nabal. He's, he's been guarding this, this whole uh, fortress at, like a wall. He's been, he's been walling off the men who are shearing the sheep from any thieves that would come to try to get them. And here he sends his men to Nabal, hey, you know, we've helped you out. Can you, come, can, can you help us out? We need some food. We need some provisions. And instead of helping them out, the, uh, Nabal refuses, and he actually starts speaking harshly of David. Look at verse 10 with me. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? It's not that he didn't know who he was. It's that he didn't, he didn't want to give provisions. There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed from my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. Well, word gets back to David now. And you can imagine what's going on through David's mind. David is not happy, to say the least. In fact, he's very angry. He tells his men to strap on their swords. And that's what the first thing I want to see us here tonight, David's action to take in to avenge himself. And this is not what God wanted him to do. Look at verse 13. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 men abode by the stuff. This is an utterly foolish decision that David is about to make. But when you allow wrong thinking to pervade your thought life, when something happens and you start getting angry and thoughts of anger come in, and they start to replay through your mind, and you willingly replay them through your mind, you're listening to wrong advice in your head. And what's going to happen next is not going to be of God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, you can turn there if you want to, but this is, this is probably a well-known verse about our thought lives, how it should be, but he says, Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. When we as believers choose not to think on these things, we, we get ourselves into trouble and we find ourselves not following the Lord, we find ourselves on a path that's going to destroy the godly legacy that God has for us. We have to, as the Bible tells us to, think on these things. Think on truth. When you're tempted in your mind to replay that over and over and over again, and Satan wants to hurt you through that, 
You need to speak truth to yourself. You need to speak truth. This is what is. God wants me to love that person. God wants me to do this. God, wa- God wants me to be all about the gospel. That is how we need to, how we need to fight Satan's uh, lies in our life. But David is not fighting Satan lies, Satan's lies. He's listening to wrong advice, and he's headed to kill this person. The second thing I want us to see in this narrative is that the servant talks to Abigail, who is Nabal's wife, about David's plan. Look at verse 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us, both by night and day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. That, that key phrase there, the son of Belial, means that he was wicked. He was worthless. And this servant is telling Abigail, listen, if David comes, he's not going to be able to speak with Nabal. He's not going to be able to, to talk to him or reason with him. He said, David's going to kill him. David's going to wipe them out. And uh, as, as Abigail learns of this, she starts to make haste. And she gathers all of these provisions together to bring to David. And, and she goes out right away. And as she's going down the, the path there to front off David, David is coming. And they meet together. And I want you to note what Abigail does next. Because it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it demonstrates that she was truly a godly lady. Look at verse 23. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. You know, although her husband was the one that had sinned, she said, I want you to put that iniquity on me. I am being humble and I'm coming before you and I'm saying, don't, don't do what you're about to do. Don't, do don't, don't start thinking about going and shedding blood to avenge yourself. Would you allow that iniquity to be on me? Verse 25, Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for, he, for as his name is, so is he, Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. You know who my husband is. You know his name says it all. Don't do this thing. That's the third thing I want us to see here tonight, is that Abigail stops David from ruining his legacy. The legacy that, that he is going to leave the children of Israel And verse 26, Abigail speaks, Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand. God stopped you. God has stopped you. He he put me in, 
in your path to stop you from shedding innocent blood here. Now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal, be as my husband, who is foolish, who is, who is absolutely uh, a worthless. I've, I, I've, I've, I've stopped you here. Let your enemies be dealt with by God. Would you do that? You, to this point, David, you have not committed any rash sin. Don't go any further than this. God is stopping you right here. And, and uh, uh, Abigail goes on to then give the men the provisions and present them with the blessing that she had, she had brought to them. And then she asked David to forgive him. Verse 28, I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make sure, uh, make my Lord a sure house, because the Lord fighteth the battles of the, the Lord, and, and evil hath not been found in thee all the days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. That is an amazing statement. There is someone, King, listen, that has risen up against you. And listen, when you give everything to him, when you stop, you stop fighting your battles and you allow the Lord to fight your battles again, he's going to wrap you in the bundle of life. And that's pretty exciting because every person that is angry and uh, frustrated and, and want, that, what they're seeking is life. They need life. And when you give it to God, God's going to wrap you in the bundle of life. That's what she's telling David here. And the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. I want you to notice first the words of Abigail. The, she spoke truth. She spoke truth to David. And when you're dealing with someone who's angry and frustrated and not, they don't need more things to be frustrated about. They need you to speak truth to them. And that's something we can learn. But notice what she says, for the Lord will make thee a sure house. You're going to be established. Your legacy is going to be established, David. God will take care of your enemies. When you're the king, this thing right here that you're about to do, if it is, it's, it's not going to be a grief to you if you do the right thing. It's not going to be, as she says, a, uh, an offense of heart unto you if you do the right thing here. You're going to be the king. There's the words of Abigail. She speaks truth, but I want you also to notice the warning of Abigail. She says, David, you have a great testimony right now. You, you have a great legacy. You've done well to this point. You haven't sinned to this point. Don't mess it up. Because if you do this, you're going to be sorry. The difference here between David and Saul is that David listens to wise counsel. David listens. Abigail is speaking truth to him. 
He doesn't just run headlong into, and do whatever he wants to do, no matter what uh, happens. No, he praises Abigail. Look at verse 32. And David said unto Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou, which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood, and from avenging myself with mine own hand. And David listened. And because David listened, he was able then to have God start fighting his battles again. He was able to allow the Lord to start working in his life again. Well, Nabal, Nabal doesn't listen to God. Nabal starts partying again, and, and in the, the verses to follow, he, he has this big celebration, big party. He, he starts eating and drinking and gets drunk. And uh, Abigail wisely waits until Nabal is sobered up to tell him about what has just happened with David. And David, uh, when, when, when he's sobered up, she tells him, and the Bible tells us that his heart became a stone, that his heart became hardened, and God smote him, and ten days later he dies. God keeps his word. God takes care of David's enemy. And now David takes Abigail as his wife. He sees that, Abigail, you are a godly lady, I do remember you, and I'm not just going to remember you. I'm going to take you to me as a wife. Now, at the end of this chapter, he takes two wives. We see in verse 43, he took Abigail, but David also took, verse 43, Ahinoam of Jezreel, and they were also both of them his wives. But Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Faulty, the son of Laish, which was of Gillam. Now, you might think, David, you've been trusting God this whole time. Why would you take two wives? And as we're going to see in future chapters, we're going to see that David will not be a good family man, to say it mildly. He's going to have a lot of family problems, partially because he's, he's amassing a lot of wives. It, it didn't have to be that way. But that becomes like a chink in David's armor going forward, uh, just with, with all of his children. But David is still trusting God in this chapter. And we can learn from this. David trusted God when David took the wise counsel of Abigail and put things back in the Lord's hands and didn't avenge himself. And that's what we need to learn in our lives. God has put good people in all of our lives to help us along to live godly in Christ Jesus, to, to help us walk uh, the path that God wants us to walk. And I'm, I, I think tonight what we need to do is ask the Lord, Lord, just personally, would you help me to listen to your word as I read it? Uh, if, if you're just feeding when pastor opens the Bible on Sundays and Wednesdays, our feeding schedule's way off, okay? If, if you need to stop fasting... <laughs> from God's word and start getting in the word and feeding yourself, allowing yourself to be fed by God's word and God wants to work in your life, uh, listen to the word of God, listen to the spirit of God, and then listen to wise counsel as God gives it to you. And by doing that, we can live faithfully and we can preserve a godly legacy that God wants each one of us to have.